we take a trip, you always get my goat. I like trains and buses, but you like a ferry boat. Well, the next time we go traveling, ships are out, and I declare. You go your way, I'll go mine, I'll meet you over there. You take a ship for yourself. I'll go by train or by myself. If you can't fly in planes or ride in buses or in trains, then go take a ship for yourself. Take a battleship, an excursion ship, or a fishing ship will do. Welcome to episode two of the Sea Cadet Scuttlebutt. Uh, it is May 2nd, 2020, and once again, I am Sean Johnson. I work with National Headquarters in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, I want to say that today was hashtag America Strong, uh, U.S. Navy Flight Demonstration Squadron, the Blue Angels, and the U.S. Air Force Demonstration Squadron, the Thunderbirds, honored frontline COVID-19 responders and essential, essential workers uh, with formation flights over Baltimore, Washington, D.C., and Atlanta. And so according to Commander Brian Kesserling of the U.S. Navy Blue Angels Commanding Officer and Flight Leader, uh, America Strong is a way for both teams to show appreciation to the thousands of doctors, nurses, first responders, and essential workers out there serving on the front line day in and day out. So a formation of six uh, F-16 Fighting Falcons and six F-A-18 Hornet aircraft uh, conducted these flyovers as a collaborative salute to healthcare workers, first responders, military, and other essential personnel while standing in solidarity with all Americans during the COVID-19 pandemic, which we are currently in. And I got to tell you, that is perfect. Uh, well, there's nothing really perfect about a pandemic, but I will say uh, that it is appropriate uh, that uh, today uh, I'm going to be joined uh, by Mike Bell. And uh, in addition to working with the Sea Cadets and having been a former Sea Cadet himself, um, he is currently an active duty Navy ER trauma nurse, also working with the Marines. And so really excited to have Mike Bell. Uh, just interviewed him. And so I'm going to go ahead and play that for you right now. Let me see here. I just wanted to sort of uh, uh, just sort of get an idea of, you know, what it is that you do, you know, sort of what's your exact role, uh, mm -hmm. you know, what, where you're stationed or, you know, your exact title and, and that kind of stuff. I'd love to hear yeah, that. For sure. So, um, I am a Navy ER nurse. Um, I got into the, uh, where I'm currently at through, uh, officer development school. So I was in college, finished college, went and worked, um, as a civilian nurse for a couple of years in Chicago. Um, and then I joined the Navy. So I joined the Navy through officer development school, went to Newport, Rhode Island, did uh, five weeks of what they call fork and knife school, which is if anybody's ever, you know, done any sea cadet boot camp, sea cadet anything, um, you know, they, it's pretty similar to just teaching you how to be in the military. Um, after that, I reported to 29 Palms, uh, Marine Corps base. I worked at the hospital there for three years uh, as an ER nurse. Uh, and then after that, I moved to my current duty station, which is uh, 1st Medical Battalion, Camp Pendleton. So that's where I'm at now. Um, I'm an ER trauma nurse with Camp Pendleton, uh, but I work with the Marine Corps. So I'm in a medical battalion that um, kind of assists and backs the uh, Marine Division 
division. So if the division would ever push out for uh, any reason, uh, we are their medical asset uh, in what's called a role two, which is a, uh, a field hospital similar to MASH for, uh, I know any cadet that hears MASH won't understand what that is, but uh, okay. for parents. <laughs> I'm wondering if that, yeah, that's a dated reference there. <laughs> MASH. Oh, boy. Uh, but they, their parents will understand it, so they yeah. can kind of explain it to them, or they can look up YouTube videos of what MASH look, used to look like. It's very similar to what we do now. Uh, we pop up field hospitals. Uh, I am in trauma receiving, so I, uh, along with an ER doctor, usually an ER physician's assistant, and then Corman, uh, receive trauma patients from either casualties or uh, while we're in training, obviously just training simulations. Um, but I, you know, we do uh, a whole full spectrum of care. Um, I, I have a uh, laboratory X-ray. Uh, I have a surgical suite that uh, two surgeons actually operate in, um, and all this stuff is kind of the way we operate to assist the Marine Corps. Um, and I did actually, I'm, I'm in my <clears throat> like. 10th or 11th day of quarantine after getting back from the Middle East. Oh. Uh, I, I was just over there for a two-month field exercise uh, known as Native Fury. So we were over there for two months basically simulating what it would be like to do a beach uh, offload um, on the logistics side of the Marine Corps. So how do we uh, move our pre-positioned ships with all our gear into the uh, area of operation, um, offload them, set up for the division guys who come in, which are basically the infantry and uh, their whole slew of uh, people, uh, how to set that up so that when they come in, we can effectively insert ourselves into whatever country or region that we're operating in. So that was an interesting experience. Mm -hmm. uh, it gave me a lot of uh, real world and, and uh, like field experience with this job that I'm in because it's not something that we do, you know, typically in the Navy. Um, so that was a really good uh, chance for me to kind of test out my equipment, uh, my people, you know, myself getting used to how we operate and, and doing all that stuff. So it was a, it was a really interesting time. It was a, it was rough, uh, just conditions wise. Uh, it was very much in just the sand pit in the middle of nowhere, mm. uh, <clears throat> but we made it work. And then now it's uh, it's good to be back, obviously. I bet. Um, you know, it's interesting because when you when you brought up the fact that you worked as a nurse civilian first, right? And then you decided to join the Navy after that. I mean, what was what was your thinking behind the switch? Because I, I think I feel like, you know, that's uh, it makes sense, I guess, for me, you know, and I don't have a military background, but, you know, folks sort of start the Navy and they get interested in whatever kind of career that they might want to pursue and, and start focusing on that. So I'm wondering, you know, how you made that transition between, you know, civilian and then going into the Navy. Yeah, so I uh, started in Sea Cadet. So I've been in the Sea Cadet program now for about 13 years. I wow. started in, um, yeah, I started as a cadet in 2006 so about 14 years 2006 i uh, went to recruit training bay or uh, great lakes in 2007 and then i graduated out of the program in 2010 as a chief petty officer um so i had the desire for the uh, for the navy specifically since i was probably in sixth grade um mm. and the secret just kind of uh emboldened that desire um i went to college i did rotc for a couple years um, got out for some personal reasons, but still kind of kept that um, desire to, to be in the military, I mean, specifically the Navy. 
Um, and then when I got out, <clears throat> I decided I wanted to get a little experience on the outside in the civilian world, um, which was actually very beneficial for me because there's some things, there's a lot of things you can do in the civilian world and medical, especially that you don't get in the military just based off of, you know, we don't, we have an extremely healthy population. Um, we usually, typically our hospitals are not trauma centers. So as far as being an ER nurse, trauma nurse, um, I don't see that trauma in my hospital. Um, but just having the ability to kind of get it used to what things are like on the outside. And then when I was able to transition into the, to the Navy, it was, uh, it was the right time for me. Okay. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, I had some questions about sort of your connection to, to sea cadets, but I kind of want to get to, you said, uh, you used the word emboldened. So, you know, how, how did the sea cadet program embolden your, uh, interest or desire to sort of go into the Navy? Uh, I mean, like I said, I had a kind of intrinsic thing uh, since even before joining the Sea Cadets, um, it, and it kind of came out of nowhere. I wasn't, I don't have a lot of, I never had any family that was in the Navy. Um, my only grandpa and uncle that were in the service did a four year and out type of thing when they were young uh, in the Air Force, but I just kind of, it attracted me for some reason. And then when I found out about the Sea Cadet program through some friends, uh, my eighth grade year, I joined in and that just kind of, it just grew and I took to it and, you know, everything about the leadership, the discipline, the um, lifestyle, you know, you get a taste of it in the Sea Cadets, you get a lot, you get you get it when you're, yeah. when you're, you know, you get a good kind of idea of what it's going to be like and everything about it just kind of attracted me and it's, it's continued to hold me so far. Um, I hit four years in the Navy in September. So, mm. uh, you know, I, I have no plan of getting out anytime soon. I actually, I actually plan to stay in as a career, okay. uh, you know, career in military, but you know, it, and it just, trainings did it for me um my first year uh when i joined i think i missed in 2006 i missed trainings for whatever reason some issues there um, but then in 2007 i went to recruit training went straight from recruit training to master at arms um that later that summer went to a field ops training and then later that in that winter i went to uh pola so i hit everything real quick um oh, yeah. Uh, in 2007 and from there I just kept going kept hitting more trainings uh, I was actually the for recruit training Great Lakes I was the one of the medical petty officers um, after I did my first um, staff uh, round I, I was a medical petty officer and then I liked that so much I kept going back I ended up being the chief uh, in charge of medical um, in 2010 and then 2011 to 2016 I believe I was the um, chief, med like the medical officer for recruit training for all those years. So I, you know, I kept staffing um, between 2010 and 2000, even 2019. Um, when I was an officer in the program, I've staffed trainings uh, to include hosting my own training last year or uh, in 2018 in the winter. Right. I, I hosted my own training in 29 Palms of Field Operation that some cadets uh, attended, uh, and it was a success for me. So everything I've done so far, you know, it's it's just kind of like I said, emboldened. Hope that's the right word, but it's just no, that's <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of solidified the fact that this is what I like to do, um, and, and not just the military, Sea Cadets. I really, I believe in the program. I believe it's a, a spectacular program if you put the right effort into it, right. um, and you get out what you put into it 100%. Um, and for me, that was just 
the love for, for what I'm doing. Well, it's interesting because, you know, and perhaps this is a self-serving question because I'm doing a lot of rewriting and reimagining of, of some of the things that we're doing. And so I'm curious as, as sort of someone who's, who's been a cadet, um, you know, when we're talking about RT and we're talking about POLA, um, what, what makes a really good experience for you? Because I think one of the things that this program sort of touts itself as it's not just sort of classroom based that there's these great experiences um that cadets share that really adds to sort of the knowledge and skills and so what has made them the most memorable experiences for you what has made them the most successful from a cadet standpoint I would say the, the staff is probably what does it because you're going to have the same training will be different every single year, right? And right. I saw that doing recruit training for effectively 2007 to 2016 for like, for like nine years. Uh, it's the same exact training, different every year. And it, yeah. and it was the staff that, uh, that made the difference. Uh, and also just, you know, different times, different rules, different things. So everything... Uh, you know, the, the military staff, the civilian staff, they bring a different uh, point of view and different training style and everything. And that just kind of added to uh, what I enjoyed. Um, I had some trainings where I had some really intense second second and first lieutenant Marine Corps officers who beat mm. the crap out of me. Um, and it was, it was a good learning experience. But, um, and then having, you know, different uh, at our at recruit training great lakes rdc's the re, uh recruit division commanders uh you know yelling and screaming but then teaching and you know doing an excellent job of you know understanding that they're working with cadets but also you know giving them a taste of what it's going to be like to be at recruit training which I, you know i've had a lot of friends go through the enlisted side uh, countless number and they said they walked right through because they knew exactly what to expect uh, and then just going through different, you know, field exercises. Uh, the first time I was in the field was in 2007. And I can tell you from being in the fields uh, as early as last February, or this last February, a couple months ago, it was exactly the same. Like I had an experience as a 15 year old that I would again have an experience, that experience again as almost a 30 year old. So that was just preparing me and then uh, getting the looks from those people and understanding that every training, like I said, every training, even though it may be the same, it may be run by the exact same people, it's different every time. And that kind of speaks to, I think, everybody's military career as a whole. Um, you could go in with your friend as the same rate, uh, you know, same rank, same uh, locations and stuff, and have a completely different experience uh, because it's always different. You know, you're going to be in a different duty station uh, than somebody else. You're going to get a different experience with different officers or different uh, command staff, and um, it, that it, it represents it well. It's interesting because there's not many folks out there that I think would uh... – use uh you know beating the crap out of you and then a great learning experience in the same sentence <laughs> it, it was interesting and and i i'm not ashamed to admit that i at one point when i was a chief in the field i got fired for my job um and it, it wasn't necessarily thing i did you know maybe it was but either way it was a learning experience so it was uh you know kind of bringing you down a peg and making sure that you know that you're you know even as good a leaders as there are in the sea cadets which i i 
I train my cadets when I work with them that, you know, they can be good leaders and stuff like that, but you still got a long way to go. I still have a long way to go and I'm a Lieutenant in the United States Navy. Right. But mm. you know, if you're developing and you're working on being a better person and working on the strategies other than just yelling, because I know when I got in, that was the only leadership style that I knew is either you're getting yelled at or, you know, you, your leaders weren't around. So you okay. gotta get used to it and, and then develop those other skills of how to lead people and get them to want to follow you. And that's uh, something I, like I said, I work with my cadets on too, is, is the alternative styles to, you know, make sure that they're really reaching people and that leadership isn't just a, Hey, come over here and follow me. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. And so I, I think, you know, one of the interesting things is, you know, we sort of try to, we need to balance, um, you know, folks that do become part of the program, but don't have military background. And it's not necessarily a requirement, you know, you don't have to have had that uh, experience that you've had. So I guess, you know, what, what are the experiences that you have on a daily basis and how do you infuse that in what you do and how you interact with your units? You know, how do you take the, you know, sort of the real experiences, you know, of being in the Navy and working in that environment, how do you map that onto what you do with, with your unit and cadets? So I think the biggest thing that I've learned, um, and obviously I came, I, I don't ever tell people that I came from sea cadets, right? Like I, okay. you know, not that I'm ashamed of it or anything, but more so like the more you talk, the more people don't listen. Um, ah. <laughs> so, so what I do is my actions and what I've seen, uh, is people will ask me, I have uh, my sailors, uh, corpsmen mostly w that I work with, ask me a lot, sir, were you prior? And, and not like a question like, hey, did, were you in the prior? Like, do you know all this stuff? But no, it's more like, hey, you kind of understand, you know, the way you interact with us makes you feel like you're prior, prior, mm -hmm. military, prior enlisted. And I say, no, I just had, you know, no. But I have this experience from sea cadets where I understand their lifestyle to a point, right? Um, and then I, the way I interact with them has probably been the biggest thing that that I kind of pulled from it. And it's to always, as far as you know, leadership and teaching my cadets, it's always take care of your people first, right? Like make sure they're happy to a point. This is the military. Not everybody's always going to be happy. Most of the time, we're all not happy for one reason or another. Um, but then to make sure that they're, you know they're getting paid, you know, they're getting, their family situation is taken care of to the best of my ability. Um, they're satisfied in their job is one of the biggest ones that I can affect. Um, and that's not always like, Hey, are you doing exactly what you want to do? No. Most of the time, my foreman where I'm at, because we don't work in a hospital, we're sitting around doing admin work, but I'm also our training officer. So I, you know, put together these trainings, try and make sure that they are learning to be the best in their job that they can be and ready to deploy because that is literally our mission is to be always ready for when the Marines push out. Cause if they do it, they're doing it first and they're doing it quick. Mm. We gotta be right behind them and ready to go. So, um, yeah, to, I would say like bringing it to my cadets and bringing it to, uh, volunteer officers, especially without military backgrounds, um, is to make sure that they understand that they need to be taking care of the cadets first. Um, and the same thing with the cadets, they need to be taking care of their uh, subordinates first. Uh, they need to understand, you know, where everybody's coming from, that everybody's got different experiences. Um, and obviously in today's age, you know, being, you know, somewhat subtle in the way they word things or, you know, interact with people. Mm. Um, but then just using that to be a leader that people want to follow. And that's 
pretty quickly how I learned, you know, that people respond is that if you not just act like you care about them, but actually take the time to make sure that, you know, they're getting their needs met, um, they respond to that pretty well. Well, most of the time, young people are communicating in memes anyway, so it's, <laughs> the layers of meaning are really yeah. difficult <laughs> to get. You know, and I'm, I'm curious, you know, you're really talking about the, the relationships that, you know, uh, that you build with the cadets, which is, you know, me coming from an educational background for, you know, a couple of decades, you know, the relationships that you have with, with students are, are crucial and oftentimes get uh, pushed aside for all the other things that get in the way. You know, I'm curious, you know, do you have, you know, any specific aha moments where you're just like, you felt like the connection was made that the cadet was like, Oh yeah, now I get it. Or, you know, you're like, Oh yeah, this is why I'm doing this. Like, are there any specific moments or anything that, that jumps ahead as being a, you know, a great example of that? So I would say that the de one of the definite defining moments like that was when I hosted my first training in 2018 uh, it was fall, uh, or it was the uh, winter uh, advanced training season, and it was a field ops training in uh, 29 Palms. Um, I had 18 cadets, and I created this training from scratch because I wanted to see it, and I thought, hey, this would be cool. I would like this as a cadet. Um, so I, when I had those people um, come through, that was the first time I'd worked with cadets in any length of time since about 2004. 14, 2015. Because once I got, uh, once I commissioned, once I went to ODS and then deployed, uh, or excuse me, um, went to my first duty station, uh, I didn't have any, a lot of uh, contact with cadets. There was no sea cadets up in 29 Palms, uh, even though I thought about starting that. Uh, there was, you know, no unit close to me that I could go to. I was still working with, and I still work with my unit that's back in my uh, home state in Indiana. Uh, um, I worked with them since I was a cadet and now through college, through uh, the Navy, and I still do as much as I can as far as being a training officer and kind of helping them out, but I didn't have the actual physical, you know, like person-to-person -person contact. So when I hosted this training was the first time that I had effectively been around C cadet level kids, you know, 13 to, to 16, 17 in like five years. And that was interesting because I had to get used to how teenagers acted again because you know I haven't been a teenager for 10 years now um and then also that's it uh, 10 years come on <laughs> but enough to get disconnected right? that's like, oh absolutely sure so and I know it, it, every four years you get disconnected you don't know what you know I don't know are they using Facebook do they use you know Instagram what what modes of, of communication do they use and that right. was a fun challenge to figure out how I needed to reach them being you know prior to them coming out Mm. Uh, does any, do any of them have email? I don't know. I, I mean, now in the age where everybody's got a computer at school, um, it's a different, you know, it's a different dynamic. So learning the dynamics of communication with them was, was a big eye opener. And then when they got there, you know, teenagers are, you know, regardless of the century or century decade, whatever, teenagers are still somewhat teenagers. So, um, you know, kind of, kind of molding those small changes that I needed to do to do to make sure that they uh, understood what I was saying, making sure that my instructions were clear, making sure that my staff knew my expectations, making sure they knew my expectations, and then just setting that boundary. And that's, and that's the one thing is, I wanna be there for 
every cadet. I want to help them. I want to make sure they understand it, you know, that I want them to improve, but I'm not just going to hand them, you know, participation trophies for, you know, I'm going to make sure that you're learning, you're growing. Uh, I'll put you, you know, put you back in your place if you're not quite there and then make sure that line of discipline is there because that is what the military is all about. Uh, And that's the big thing that even with my sailors, we have an excellent relationship. We can joke around, you know, when you're stuck with somebody for two months in one tent. Uh, and I was living with enlisted when I, in a eight man tent when I was de- deployed, you know, in the last couple months, mm. they have to understand, you know, you guys can joke around, you guys can have that relationship, but there's a line and you can't cross it. Right. And you need to, or you need, you know, you need to understand who, you know, where the chain of command lies and that you can work, you know, work with each other, enjoy each other, you know, have a good time. But then, you know, when you need to get down to business, that's when you need to. How, how do you, you know, real quick, you know, how do you establish that line? Because I think so many people struggle with that, you know, that how do you, how do you even do that? Or how have you done it? It is, it is extremely difficult. And I would say it, it, it gets more difficult the more time you have with somebody. Hmm. Um, so whether that be, years or you know just days packed at a time so in a training where you're right next to people you know it's it's a little different when i was you know overseas with my corpsman for two months that's you know literally with them 24 hours a day for the most part mm-hmm. um the only break was when i went to shower or shave um so it's just and it's on the onus of the senior person to set the line um because uh juniors will always try and cross it and that's whether they mean to or not um, they will, they're just going to do that. So I have to, you know, you have to, as the leader, you have to set the line. So whether that be a senior cadet, uh, a junior officer, a senior officer, um, you need to be able to say, Hey, you know, this is not, that's not okay. And it's not always those conversations. It's just, you know, when they're talking to me or we're playing cards and one of them calls me dude and I look <laughs> at them like, mm-hmm. eh, no. And they go, they, they understand, like we have, and we, we had that happen sometimes and I kind of just gave them a look and they understood. And it's not like I have a burning desire to be called sir, yes, sir, every minute, because mm-hmm. no, I get that enough at work. Um, but just to be able to, to recognize like where the respect lies and it goes both ways. If, if I'm not respecting them, if I'm being disrespectful to them, it's never going to come back up. But if, I show that I, like I said, like that I care, um, that I have a working relationship with them and that I, you know, respect their input, their, you know, what they want and, you know, their desires. Then when I kind of draw that line subtly, they understand and they, you know, they get it. And, and that's how I found that it works out pretty well. And, uh, I, you know, every once in a while there's a hiccup, there's personalities that don't mesh. Um, and I say, even when that happens, that's where you need to be slightly more strict and say, Hey, you know, this isn't going to work. We need to tighten it up or utilize your chain of command. And that's what it's there for. You know, if I have a sailor that's acting up and not quite on path where they should be, that's why I have a chief that literally why my chief exists. So I go to my chief and I say, Hey, you know, before I have to talk to him, you know, you know, can you handle the situation or in a way um, something happens where I kind of tiptoe over that line or something like that. Chief will come up to me and say, Hey, this was, that was kind of stupid. You know, you need to correct yourself or, you know, hopefully catch me before I get to that point. Um, and, and that's why we have those middle ground. And I would say even in the sea cadets um, chief is kind of a, is an important thing and it's, and it's a well-respected thing. Um, but just make 
to utilize that well because those really are senior, almost adults, right? Like they're 18, some of them, um, and they should understand how personal relationships work for the most part um, and just making sure that they kind of keep that standard and, and that's what they're there for. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, that really puts a lot more emphasis on, you know, sort of how we train the chiefs and how they get prepared. And so, you know, we're putting a lot of attention on that now. Um, so what, what's your unit name? Where are you at now? Uh, sea cadets or Navy? Yeah, sea cadets. Sea cadets. So I am, uh, I work, uh, when there's no COVID, I work with, uh, a unit that's, uh, Michael, uh, Monsor. Uh, battalion out of Camp Pendleton. I work with them physically, okay. um, but then I've been doing remote work for Cruiser Indianapolis Division out of Indianapolis, Indiana okay. um, since uh, I graduated high school and I went to college. So I've been working with them doing training officer stuff and, you know, whatever, whatever I can do to improve. And I have a good working relationship with the uh, staff over there mm-hmm. to where I still help out and I still do training signups and everything. Um, and, you know, they know who I am. They never, a lot of cadets will never see my face or haven't seen my face, but they know that I work with them because I have contact with most of them. Um, but then my hands on like getting into the uh, battalion is with uh, monster battalion. Well, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that those names got a shout out because, um, you know, it really sounds like, uh, you know, th- that they have great support in you and, you know, they're in really, really good hands. So, um, you know, on behalf of everybody here, you know, we appreciate the, the work that you're doing and, and thank you for, you know, staying involved, uh, even in this very, very strange time that we are in, in now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I, you know, I really just want to thank you for, for taking the time uh, to speak with me and, uh, you know, was it Lieutenant Beal? Would that be it? Bell. Yes. Lieutenant yes. Bell. Oh, Lieutenant Bell. Okay. Gotcha. Bell, B-E-A-L-L, but Bell, yeah. Oh, come on. Now you're confusing everybody. Okay. All right. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just wanted to, uh, to thank you for, for taking the time and appreciate it. And if there's anything we can do to, to help you out there in the field, help your cadets, I mean, definitely let us know. Absolutely. And uh, thanks for having me on. It's been a, a good experience, and I'm always happy to help. That's what I love to do. Great. Well, that's good to hear. Your experiences were great. And, uh, you know, once you're done with your uh, little quarantine there um, – you know, stay safe, stay healthy. Appreciate what you're doing. Absolutely. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Take care. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. I want to thank uh, Mike Bell again for uh, joining us. And, um, you know, it's interesting for me because I don't have a military background. So I am in these conversations and trying to share the information uh, with all of you. Um, I'm learning a lot as well and uh, sort of picking up how people think, the vocabulary used, and that's all going to help in the work we do uh, at our organization to try to uh, simulate the conditions as well as we can uh, so that if you are interested uh, in the Navy or uh, the armed services, uh, those experiences can sort of translate and transfer. Uh, So again, thank you for listening to this episode, uh, episode two. Continue looking for more, uh, released weekly. Uh, again, uh, our website to learn more about our program, ccadets.org. Uh, we have YouTube, Instagram, and then, of course, you can listen to this on Anchor Podcasts. Uh, the website uh, will definitely post to uh, our various platforms. And with that, uh, stay safe, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Take a battleship, an excursion ship, or a fishing ship will do. 
And if you can't take a big shit, then take a small canoe. Bon voyage to you, my friend. <laughs> 